gentlemen, uh, I've ended that recording, so I know you got to roll out, Seabass. Uh, thanks for taking the time, and congrats on the on you know your certification. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, um, we got a couple. We actually have some time off on the weekend, so if you want to get like a bonus episode or something done, we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat later about it, but I'll definitely have some time this weekend. Cool, dude. All right. All, All right, right see you, man. Thanks again for jumping on. Yeah, of course. Well, All right, I'm sure we'll chat. I'm sure we'll chat again. All right, fellas. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. See you, dude. Bye. All right, Brandon. So thank you, listeners, for uh, being on this uh, bonus recording, the unedited fun version of our original hockey podcast. And uh, Brandon will also have to be going off here at some point. Um, but, Brandon, I figured this was a good time for us to kind of discuss the – well, what I've selected uh, as basically the pigeon hockey – Mountain Division Players of the Year, and um, this is something I want to do in the future where, you know, we can get all the, like, at least a rep from each team um, and, and try to get people's inputs and, and put in stipulations, um, kind of like when you and Michelle and I were on the episode and we had a, you know, you were maxed out at certain things and you had to pick a certain amount, but uh, it, this wasn't hard because I didn't have any rules because, you know, I just kind of created the <laughs> list, <laughs> you know? That's um, the beauty of being in charge. You can really create is. or not have your own rules. And also what I'm hearing is so next year we just need to have the fans from everyone's respective teams because we're all a very bunch – we're all a good moderated bunch of individuals. Just have everybody spam you and DM you. That's what I heard there, right? That's what I should I'm encourage cool my, my listeners and viewers to do. I'm in. Like, do it. Like, you know, coming away on, on, on the Twitter post and be like, all right, this player deserves to be considered. Uh, because I basically came up with 14 different – was it 14 or 15? 14. 14 different uh, awards of the year. Um, and uh, I just – again, for me, it wasn't really that hard. I just kind of um, created the list uh, this weekend and been like, yeah, that was easy. Like, I – there wasn't much thought in terms of like, I'm like these players, each one of these just stood out. That's the reason the award came up because just watching how talented, uh, how talented uh, the division has been this year. The names just popped in my head. I'm like, yep, that's easy. You know? I I think the thing with the division this year, that's been, I think a, a noticeable change and more refreshing. If you're into the development side. Yeah. The the mountain division this year has featured a lot more of a lot more development in terms of you see guys that this is their second year with a team and you watch them make the jump. You yeah. watch their talent click. And I think that's just been so much more prevalent this year than it was last year where you had such a heavy top level crop of twenty year olds. I yep. mean, you could look at, at teams last year and everybody had one or two guys at the top of their lineup that you went, oh, man, OK. And they soaked up minutes. They stole the highlights. They were the go to guys. And this year's it has. It's been a lot more of those second and third year guys where you see them take advantage of getting that development and that extra step. Yeah, it, it's really just it's been amazing um, because you really have like I think you nailed the you nailed it there. I think it's just seeing what players have been able to do this year and seeing the players that came back and how they've grown, 
made one of the awards a little bit more difficult, but it's really, as I put my glass of wine down here, because I don't want to spill it like in previous episodes, but at least it's white this time. If I spill it everywhere, it doesn't matter. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's just been, it's just been awesome to watch these players go in here. And, and as we kind of discuss these, these players and these awards, we can kind of just talk about the, you know, the projected playoff picture going up here. Cause, um, Next weekend, actually, before we even drop an award here, next weekend, there's actually one series, and it's going to be Provo at Pueblo. Uh, what are you expecting out of that series? You know, I I think what's interesting about that particular matchup is if you really look across the, the division, uh, by and large, with the exception of the 4-1 loss that Pueblo had in Provo, by and large, Pueblo has had the least amount of trouble with Provo of any of the teams in the division this year, just from a matchup standpoint, for whatever it's, for whatever reason, they have had the easiest time against Provo. Um, I, I think that being down in Pueblo in front of a rabbit home crowd, this will be the oh, first yeah. time in three years that the Bulls have had a home playoff game. These are their first home playoff games in franchise history. I, I think it's going to be a two game series. I think Pueblo is going to run it wire to wire. Um, the biggest X factor is going to be, will they get St. Angelo Comey back in the lineup? Um, if they have those two, it, it's a two game sweep. I don't know that it'll be particularly close. Um, but if, if, if the Bulls don't have those two scores, they've had guys that have picked up, um, the scoring load, Turcotte, Susie, Brendan Dicker, but you just, are you giving the five seed an opening there? So I say with St. Angelo Comey two games sweep and it won't be close with saying without St. Ange and Lacomi, it's still going to be a two Oh series win for Pueblo, but the games themselves might be closer. Yeah. I think that's a, that I I'm pretty much on, on par with you there. I think, um, I think Pueblo, uh, is going to take the series. Um, if Provo's lucky, they might steal a win, but, uh, I think with, with recent transactions, um, and them losing a couple players, uh, I think it's a. I think there's some dynamic that the team lost with with their transactions, and uh, I think it's definitely been relevant uh, on the ice for sure. Um, but you know that said, let's dr- break into the first award here, and it's going to be the Remember the Name Award because I have this award as this player had a good season. But this is going to be one of those breakout players next year, whether it's in the USPHL premiere with the same team or a different uh, different division, different league. Uh, this player, I think, is going to have a breakout year next year because you can just see the writing on the wall. And this is the 19 year old out of Quebec, out of the Northern Colorado Eagle, out of the Northern Colorado Eagles, Xavier Fortin. Um, I know you've been watching him all year. I think he's just he's gotten my Remember the Name award. I think he is just watch out for this kid next year. And and the thing with Forts too is is you look at right he topped his points total from last year topped his goals total from last year and he did it in fewer games and he did it missing two months with a yep. wrist injury and he in his second year he's come back with so much confidence on the blue line and he's had you know he had a five point game against Provo back in September he had a coast to coast goal against Pueblo and so you see it in those in those flashes and i think next year looking at at the blue line for the eagles especially with the graduation of bailey freifogel who's a 20 bomb this year 
those minutes and that number one pairing is going to be there for him. And he's got the skills, he's got the confidence, and he can really step into that role and fill that with a plum next year. Yeah, and I still remember uh, there was a he, he's such a he's just, he's got such a high hockey IQ because it was um I looked here because I have the highlight written down on him too because it was a it wasn't a goal it was just what I call a, a hockey highlight it, it didn't fit anything except just really really smart can't even call it really a forecheck it was just just a high hockey IQ play where it was 18 September and people can watch it but his the video time was 25210 um but basically. He blew a tire, and th- this could have been over for him, but he had the IQ to just keep control of the puck, fully aware of his surroundings, because this was against Ogden, and prevent the break-in uh, with an off-the-board pass as he's down. Uh, it, an unusual highlight, but that that just shows the high the high hockey IQ of uh, Xavier Fortin, man. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't say it any better. And that's the thing is, you know, he's had two seasons and he joined about a month, six weeks into the season as a rookie in 2021, obviously missed the two months with the wrist injury this year. And so, I mean, next year, right, you're looking at all of these numbers and if you Mm -hmm. extrapolate, if you will, I mean, combined, he's got about 50 games worth under his belt. He's got 30 points as a defenseman. That's not shabby. Yeah, that's impressive, and that's what I said. He gets to remember the name award, the Pigeonhole Hockey Remember the Name Award uh, for for 2022. Because uh, yeah, it. I think he's gonna have a breakout year next year wherever he's playing. This year, uh, at you know the next award here is the Most Improved Player of the Year, and that's gonna be Matthew Kepke, the 19 year old out of Vernon Hills, Illinois, out of the Utah Outliers. He from la- if you look at his play from last year to this year, not only just on the offensive side, but really just the defensive, again, high hockey IQ. When he's on the ice, he's one of those players that's very rare you're going to get around him. Love, 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 love this pick. Um, I think if you're looking at who improved from year one to year two and really is anthemic and is the symbol of development in this division, you will not find a better candidate than Matthew Kepke, I don't think. Um, yeah, the, the points explosion is is one thing, and that's been yeah. huge. I mean, yeah. He's quadrupled his point his point output from last year. He had another pair of goals this weekend. Um, that notwithstanding, you know, the defensive presence, he just is so he's so controlled, he's so confident. He is the shutdown defensive pairing and part of it with Jakob Saran for the yes. outliers this year. And I am really interested to see objectively, does he stay at this level next year or is he someone that's going to go to the NA camps, get a look at the next level because he's got the two way game down well enough to the point where I don't think if he moves up a level, he'll get exposed, right? Like you'd see guys sometimes at this level that one side of their game or three aspects of their game are ready for tier two. And then you have a piece of the game that you go, whew, I don't know. I don't think you look at Kepke's game anywhere and go, that might be a minus that won't translate to the tier two level. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you, you just seen the way because, I mean, we, we get a look at these guys all year long and 
he's just been a shut down defenseman. And you, you, you talk about people are excited about the offensive defenseman. That's always great. Uh, but the defenseman's first role is to actually stop the players from being the threat on the ice and be able to, you know, be the quarterbacks on the power play. Um, his skill set this year and the shutdown defense, like it's so hard to get around him. He, he knows where you're going, man. You know, <laughs> he knows where you're going. Oh yeah. Um, before we break into the next awards here, uh, then we're going to be talking about, um, actually Utah will face the winner of the Pueblo, um, Provo series. So with the projection of it being Pueblo heading to Utah, um, I think this is going to be a hell of a series. What do you think? I, I, I was going to agree with you. I, I think, I think that's a three game series. I, I think the thing with the outliers that has been interesting to watch as the season's progressed is you've seen teams get a lot better about trying to clog up the neutral zone and really prevent some of those uh, near and far wing entries and dump and chasins that mm-hmm. the outliers like. And Pueblo's got really got the speed, especially, to be able to really limit some of that. I mean, you look at some of the guys they have that just they work hard. Hood, Ames, Turcotte, Susie, Ryland Markham. You have Gibson and Williams at the point. Uh, Jack Stechos had a great year and has really come on in the second half. Like that's a matchup that I, I think if I were Pueblo, if I had to look and say, hey, you are going to have to face Utah. Ogden or Noco in the second round. If I were me, right, and I was Pueblo, I, I would I would take Utah. I think that's a good matchup for them. Yeah. I think it's going to be close. I mean, they played a nail biting series down in Pueblo with a pair of two one overtime games. They played a pair of close games in West Valley City. Um, I, I think it goes the full three. I, I think Utah's just got such a great group, and they've got the goaltending to separate themselves. With Alderman, they added Lucas Brine from Arcadia University. They may or may not get Marco Felicetti back in time for the playoffs. Um, they, I think that's where the outliers have the edge. They just have enough goaltending to separate themselves from the pack. Yeah, and, and Pueblo's goaltending. I mean, you got Lantuk and Timmons right now, and that duo right now, they they make some wild saves. And I think you're right. I think, for me, I think... Utah will edge out Pueblo, but if a goalie comes on, if a Lantuk or a Timmins comes on, oh, Utah's gonna, Utah's gonna, Utah's gonna have a fight, and Pueblo could steal the series. Yep, and that's what it comes down to, especially at this level with the shorter yep. playoff series. Is do you have a hot goalie you can ride? You see that in the NHL, right? That's the question: is would you yep. rather face a team that's better, or would you rather face a team with a red hot goaltender in the playoffs? And and Alex Timmons is the X factor of all yep. of the goaltenders in that series. Potentially Timmons is the X factor. If he can get hot and stay hot, look out. Yeah. He's, he has really, I mean, he's been able to take the workload off of Lantuk at the, you know, as he joined them later this or later in the season, but uh, yeah. And he's been red hot and really, really hard to beat. Um, and that'll actually now take us into the next award. And this is the International Born Player of the Year. And for me, this is going to be the if you, if you need help, call the cab. Charles Anthony Barbeau, the 19-year-old out of St. Remy, Quebec, from the Northern Colorado Eagles. Brennan, take it away. What do you think? 
Holy Barbo. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> he has been outstanding this season, and he has grabbed the reins firmly on the number one role. And at the beginning of the season, there was there was that question about when were you going to start seeing him transition into that number one role of stealing goals to steal games? He was making the saves he needed to make, but when was he going to start stealing goals? And once December started, the switch flipped. I mean, you think about um, in the month of January and February, at one point he had eight consecutive starts where he gave up two goals or fewer. I mean, yeah. absolutely scorching hot um, to close out the year. And, and, and his development really is a testament, I think, to to the Eagles program and what Steve Haddon wants to do, right? He wants to develop guys and really get them through their second and third year and see them turn that corner. And and Barbo has only been on the roster, and I say only, right? He's only been on the roster for one calendar year, essentially. He joined the team yeah. last January as as the third goaltender, and he's just done nothing but improve. Um He's one of the most, I wouldn't say the, he's up there, one of the most aggressive goaltenders when it comes to playing the puck and cutting down angles in the division, um, which is both a delight and a terror to watch, depending on, you know, <laughs> depending on the time of the game, right? Depending on yeah. where you're at. But, and, and on top of all that, he's a good dude. He's just, he's good people. And so it's always, it's so nice to see him get that recognition and success at, at, the team level, the division level, the league level. Um, he was recently the goaltender of the week in the Mountain Division. So, yeah, I, I think with him, uh, you know, he definitely reflects his countryman's play here of Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury is stellar in that. When he leaves in that, it's like, okay, wh- what's happening? <laughs> Fleury and Barbo have that in common. Um, you see them leave the net, and you're like, how's this going to turn out? Because um, they have the I, I, they. They have a very similar style when it comes to that. Um, yes. Wildly successful goalies, but it's a crapshoot leaving the leaving the crease. Yeah, because for me, I'm like I'm an I'm a stay in the net guy. Um, I would make both these goalies look amazing leaving the net because I I'm a tragedy upon leaving the net. There's no guesswork. I'm gonna fail. <laughs> I'm an in the uh, I don't leave the blue paint. Uh, for purpose, you know, purposely. So a stay-at-home goalie. <laughs> yeah. Is that what we put on the scouting report? A yeah, at home. yeah. I would say that would be the best way to put it. Um, I would just, I would say I'm a probably best stay-at-home goalie because I'm that incompetent when I leave the crease. <laughs> so, uh, but that actually takes us now into the American-born player of the year, and that's going to be Cade Herrera, the 19-year-old out of Brentwood, California, who plays for the Ogden Mustangs. Been able to watch him for the last two seasons. What a season he had. I think I think he's had 40 goals this season. Not 41, maybe yep. 41. He hit 40, right? He's over 40. I think he's Man. at 42, 43 now. Unreal. Um, he's just had a wild season. I think the, the thing where you see that development in Herrera's game this year is is last season he, he had over 30 goals. He was a great scorer, leading goal scorer on the team. But it really felt like there were eruptions Right, he would have a three or four game stretch where he would just tear the scoreboard off, notch six, seven goals, cool down, still be a point per game player, but you wouldn't have those eruptive episodes. Yeah. And I think this year the biggest thing for him is that he has consistently been at a high level 
all season long. He's yeah. consistently been a guy that goes and gets you goals. I mean, he had that that game time goal um, down in Pueblo. He had a hat trick on Friday night against the River Blades. So that's where, objectively, like as, a, as an opposing broadcaster, that's the that's where you can look and see the development in his game this year. It's it's a more he's a more consistent full forty goal scorer if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I, again, another player I'd be stunned if he's actually back in the USPHL Premier next year. Um, I think he's going to get some looks and uh, you know you know more success to him. I think uh, you know he deserves the promotion and uh, you know I, I'll be sad to see him go, but also very happy to see where he ends up. Um, and yeah, that takes us into the rookie offenseman player of the year. Uh, and this is going to be. Dawson Higgins, the 17-year-old out of Kamas, Utah, who plays for the Provo Riverblades, he's only gotten better as the year's gone on, and I'm I'm very happy I was right because I think uh, I'd have to listen back, but during our Mountain Division preview episode, he was one of my players to watch, and uh, man, I'm right because what and i like when i'm right because i'm very often wrong so i love when i get the I, I love when i get one right and Dawson Higgins has been one of those stories. I think the thing with Higgins, and this is always the, I would say, the double-edged sword when you play on a team that that struggles for depth and and may not have the win-loss record, is some of those younger guys get a ton of minutes to develop. Mm -hmm. An absolute bucket load of minutes. And and that's been Dawson Higgins this year. You know, the first half of the season – he and and a couple of the other younger guys that the River Blades had, Marco Sedjka comes to mind. Yeah. Um, they you could tell they were still trying to figure out the pace. They were still trying to figure out junior hockey and the level, the intensity, and, and the game flow. And the second half of the season, that deer in the headlights or that adjustment period, yep, it, it's over. He's there. And, and and the hard part is looking at the numbers. You may not see him because. Provo hasn't scored a ton this year, but he's a really good developmental player. And I think next year, if you find him in a, in a consistent role with a consistent roster where you're not having to skate him 22 minutes a game because you're short on forwards, I think he can be a real difference maker for, you know, potentially Provo if he returns there. Right. Um, right. And, and I really liked his game this year. Yeah. I, I thought he had, he had an excellent game this year. You could see the improvement. And I think you, you nailed it with the, the beginning of the season, Provo was, you know, getting the feel of it. The roster was getting the feel of of the game in the Mountain Division, and a lot of it was a young roster. Um, and and players like Higgins just shined as as the the more he grew, the more minutes he got. Uh, and like I said, maybe uh, with maybe a more consistent roster next year, if he's with Provo or any other team, uh, wherever he ends up playing, truthfully, um, I think. Uh, I think he'll just continue to grow, continue to shine. And I think he's going to be a force in this division. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really impressed by his game this year. And another guy, uh, rookie defenseman player of the year, I'm giving to Luke Foss, the 18 year old out of Eagle, Idaho, uh, plays for the Ogden Mustangs. I heard a lot about him on the broadcasts to start with, and, uh, he's exceeded expectations. I mean, he's just an amazing defenseman. I mean, when you're the rookie scoring leader amongst defensemen in the division, that's a pretty hard act to follow. Yeah. Uh, 
in any season and in any campaign, let alone doing that as a rookie. Um, and, and again, the thing is, is, you know, you never know where some of those surprises I think are going to come from. Right. And you think about Foss who, who joined the Mustangs with um, Andrew Alonso and Darian Cathy from, from the 18, U, the U18 program in Wenatchee. Sorry. Yep. And Foss has been such a stabilizing player and, and you can watch the transition of, okay, when Jack Jones and Cameron Hawks, who are the big D-men, eat a lot of minutes and eat a lot of power play minutes, mind you, for the Mustangs, who's going to be the next guy to step up and step into that role as the quarterback on the power play? Boom, Luke Foss, yeah. game, set, match. Yeah, I mean, he's I've been so impressed with this play. Like I said, he's a very offense. He's a great offensive defenseman, but his defensive game, obviously, as a defenseman, has just been fantastic. And he's another he's another player that's hard to get around and really like he plays with a little bit of an edge that I absolutely love and is, is perfect for this division. Yeah. And then before we break into maybe the next uh, series here. Um, we're going to go with the last rookie award because the goalies are the best. So I let them finish uh, the rookie goalie of the year. And this has got to go to Marco Felicetti, the 18 year old out of Calvis, Italy, who plays for the outliers. Yes, he's been injured recently, but man, he's been playing shut down goaltending all season long. The thing that stuns me continuously about Felicetti is you know, he doesn't have a shutout this year, which is mind-boggling to me. Like, I look and I think he's played well enough where he should have a shutout. Doesn't have one yet this year. Um, I, I mean, you think about the goaltending transition that the outliers had, right? They went from Kyle Cosma, who came on at the end of last year, helped buoy their run to Nationals, who is now playing for North Iowa in the NHL, yep. to two rookies somewhat unknown products, right, at the junior hockey level. Garrett Alderman, who'd been an outstanding high school goalie in Ohio. Um, but Marco Felicetti came from came overseas and everyone didn't really know, at least around the division, what they were what the book was on Felicetti. And basically the book is if you put the puck behind him, keep it, probably get it signed, because it doesn't happen terribly often. Um, he's been outstanding <laughs> this year. Yeah. That's that's the scouting report on Marco Felicetti. Yeah, he's just fantastic. And unfortunately, like I said, for him, uh, you know, injuries get you. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm just so impressed with what he's been able to do this year. And you're right, because when he was coming over, I'm like, who is this guy? Um, But uh, we all know his name now. Um, And that takes us now really into, like, the final series that's going to be kicking off here in two weeks, which is between my Ogden Mustangs and your Northern Colorado Eagles. How do you think this is going to unfold? Okay, so this playoff <laughs> series is must-see TV. Yes. Clear your calendars, cancel your social plans, I buy hockey TV, pirate the stream through some cable you've attached to your neighbor's <laughs> house. I don't care what you have to do. This this is, for me, this is the series yes. of, of the playoffs. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that it's better than Utah Ogden would be, if only because um, the Eagles and Mustangs basically split the head-to-head series down the middle. The Eagles yep. went six and five. However, down the stretch in the last five games that these teams played, two of them went to a shootout. 
One of them went to overtime. One of them was essentially a one-goal game until Pittsman dinged home an empty netter um, with 18 seconds left back in January. And in the team's last meeting that went to a shootout in Ogden this past weekend, you could see everyone was starting to hit that playoff energy, the physicality, the intensity, the not give up. Um, I mean, just it is going to be an outstanding three-game series. I, uh, It's a coin flip, quite honestly, in terms of who wins it. Um, the goalie that I think it's whatever goalie come out to play each night is going to steal that series. Yep. I, I would agree with that. It's going to come down to what goalie is going to have that game. What, what goaltender yep. is going to have that game in the playoffs? Um, and, and the other piece with this matchup in particular is both of these, these coaching staffs haven't really settled necessarily on which goalie do I want to face this team, mm-hmm. right? Because the Mustangs have rolled out Doronio. They've rolled out Sava Surduke. They used uh, Trey Hirschfield on, on Saturday night this past weekend. Yep. So they've got three options, right? On the other mm-hmm. side, NOCO's used primarily Charles Anthony Barbeau, but they've, they've introduced Brendan Smith into the mm-hmm. mix against the Mustangs as well. And so there's a little bit of chess gamesmanship, right? On which, on which goaltender you're going to go with. And, uh, I think the biggest thing too for this series is I was talking with coach Steve Haddon last week about how for the Eagles um, in particular, and as for the Mustangs as well, no one on these two teams has played in front of a playoff crowd. 1920. That's true. Wow. Yeah. The Thorn cup was canceled when they were all in the Western States. And so no playoffs, right? Last year, they did the Memorial Cup round robin, which I was privileged to get to call and cover for the Mountain Division playoffs in Greeley. But that was closed door, and it was in Greeley. And so even guys that have been on their the roster for three years, I mean, for the Eagles, you look at guys like Xavier Alps and, and Evan Wamas, they haven't played in front of a playoff crowd yet, right? Yeah. Herrera, yeah. Murray, Jack Jones. They, they haven't played in front of a playoff crowd in this division yet. And I I think that that's where Ogden's home ice advantage is going to come into play. They have the Olympic sheet. They have arguably one of the toughest crowds to play in in our league in the playoffs. Uh, forget the division. In mm-hmm. the league. I think they have the toughest building to play in in the playoffs. And I agree. I, I cannot I cannot wait. Um, I am so stoked and so privileged that Stefan and I will be sharing the booth so we can bring all the details, all the knowledge and, and all the all the insight uh, to that playoff series in two weeks. But that's going to be awesome. Appointment viewing, appointment yeah. viewing. Uh, I I'm going to take Noko in three. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to go in three. I'm going to have to counter that with I'm going to take Ogden in three because I think uh, what's great about the series is, again, I think it's going to come down to goaltending. Uh, Ogden has the home ice advantage, but Noko has been the hotter team uh, since the honestly, since the beginning of the calendar year. And it they've been just really, really tough to compete against. Um, but that it's a great playoff atmosphere. I've been to the playoffs in Ogden 
um, well, when we were back in the WSHL. And it is wild, and it will be a blast. And I think I think the boys will feed off of that. Um, and I'm hoping for the best outcome. I really believe Ogden will be able to take this one, but I don't think they'll be able to do it in two games. I think, like like you said, I think the teams are going to split, I think, the first two games, and it's going to come down to Sunday. I I would be, whichever way it goes, I would be floored if it was a two-game sweep. I just By either team. I yeah. would be stumped. Yeah, stunned. Yeah, this is going to be such a fun series. And like you said, anyone listening, you clear your calendars, get hockey TV. This is going to be an epic showdown. And I'm 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 stoked. I am so looking forward to this. I am half considering being up at three o'clock in the morning for these games. Uh, we will see. Um, but uh, I, well, I get off of work at one in the morning. So we'll see. Can I, I, just can, I can I go with like a. Can I go with like a mini hot take here? Yeah, go for it. I think I think the winner of this series wins the division. I, That's I, my I'm hot take. You. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think, I think I think the winner of this series wins the division and goes to nationals. Yep, I'm with That's, you. Everyone take receipts. Find me on Twitter at Brenche Price Three. <laughs> so when it falls apart, you can let me know. <laughs> but but this is your receipt right here. The winner of this series will win the division. Yeah, and I think uh, even though I believe that Utah will come out of its uh, series with Pueblo, Pueblo could still sneak away with it. Who knows? Provo could shock us all. I don't think they will, but I think uh, Pueblo will fall to Utah, and Utah will fall to the winner of this series. And uh, it'll be fun to see them at Nationals, I tell you what. Um, I'm excited because in my take, I think it's going to be Ogden. Your take, you think it's going to be uh, Northern Colorado. Um, I, either way, it's going to be a hell of a series, and uh, the the better team will win. Um, and uh, before we continue going here, do you have to take off shortly, or are you still good? Uh, you know what? I I've I've got about 20 minutes, so let's okay, great. Let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep the snowball rolling down the hill. All right, let's go on with the the rest of the um the rest of the awards here because there's still seven more to hand out. I've I've had fun, uh, and this will be the age out player of the year. And for me, that's uh the 20 year old out of Springfield, Virginia, from the Provo River Blades, Blake Blevins. He I think has had a fantastic season on a struggling team. Um, he, even up to the last game that he played, they played here against Utah. He just man, he plays with an edge. I like him. Yeah, he's he developed his offensive game a lot more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and and again, some of that was made not necessarily, I think, by comfort, but more that was what his team needed. And and props to him for getting that done. Um, you know, I I would look and I would say across the division, if we're if we're talking, let's say an age out player, right, a twenty year old that potentially is has developed in and come on in a way that I don't know if unexpected is the right word, but really just kind of showcases the growth again, the development around the division. I I really like Nicholas Semino's game um, as a 20 bomb this year and Cameron Hawks. Actually, those would be my yep. two. If I, if I were going to go with an age out, like who are the guys that come to mind as, as players well, that, that, you know, that's what I'm going to pass you here. Their was- college season. Yeah, I was going to pass on to you. Who do you think would be the age-out defender of the year? Because I don't have one. And so you'd say Cameron Cam Hawks. Hawks. Okay. I, I, yes, I, I would say that 
only because, again, if I look at the jump from year one to year two, um, personally, the age-out defender of the year, in my mind, development aside, is Bailey Freifogel. Not even a contest. That's a one-horse race. Um, he has elevated his game in practice. He has elevated his game in games this year. And, I mean, he ripped off a seven-goal and eight-game stretch in January, which as a defenseman is unreal. Yeah. Um, but but the, the jump that Cameron Hawks has taken to go from essentially a third-pair D-stopper to someone that is the offensive force on that Jack Jones unit, goes out there for the power play and gives the Mustangs such big minutes. What an excellent year to blossom. And now he's got college offers coming in left and right. No, it's, it's going to be awesome to see him come in here. Cause like when, when I had my list here, um, I wasn't sure you actually, I wasn't expecting you to be on the podcast. I was going to be having a, you know, couple different possibilities and guests and I was going to just give it to the guest and be like, who do you pick is the age out defender of the year? And uh, the fact that you brought up, like, you're like, okay, age out guys, let's bring up Hawks and let's, you know, bring up Samino. And I'm like, all right, take it away. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, he's had such a shutdown year and such an amazing year um, that uh, it's going to be very awesome to really to start seeing where all these kids sign next year, all the age out players, uh, but there's still one category yeah. of age out um, we got here. And for me, it's the age out goalie of the year. I'm giving it to Marco Deronio. Uh, he joined Ogden late, uh, but he's I think he's still played up to 20 games now or maybe 20, 21 games. Uh, but he's a 20 year old out of Detroit, Michigan and plays for Ogden. But he really has been. I mean, he came out of the National Development Program and you can tell, I mean, he's just such a solid goaltender. I think the thing with Deronio that's good to see, and, and I actually would say the other comparison that comes to mind for me again, it, it's it's owing to that those NOCO roots. It's it's Brendan Smith, who's who's an mm-hmm. age out. I I think that especially going into your age out season when you're a goaltender and you haven't necessarily played consistently, you haven't played a, a ton of games the previous year or the year prior, um, like Deronio, and then he's had to come in and essentially step into a one A role with the Mustangs pairing with Surdu, um, I think that that's a testament to the work ethic, the attitude, and, and the talent. You mentioned it. I mean, Deronio spent time in the, the U.S. men's development program, and and the technique and the steadiness shows. And yeah. he's had a really solid age-out year. Um, I, think it, I think he's definitely put himself in the position where an NCAA Division three school would come offering. Um, obviously, I'm not privy to any of that. But if I were an NCAA Division three school looking for goaltending, I, I would I would get his contact information and give him a ring. Oh, 100 uh, percent, because, yeah, he's really, really impressed when he when he came onto the roster, what he's been able to do. Um, and really just the, again, the, the goaltending in this division has been stellar this year and Ogden has just been stacked full I mean, at one point, Stripling couldn't get the ice time, and, and Stripling, I think, went off to Decatur. Um, and, I mean, he's a amazing and solid goalie. And then Tarantino uh, went off to Ontario, and I just watched his game. He made some yep. beautiful saves against, uh, oh, I want to say it was Lake Tahoe. Um, pretty confident it was Lake Tahoe because uh, it was a Wednesday uh, game. And uh, what's imp- they've just been stacked. Uh, the this whole division's been stacked with with amazing goaltenders this year. Um, 
But let's go to the final uh, final five, the final five awards here. And uh, for me, the this is going to be the offensive, defensive, and goalies of the year. And then we have a leadership of the war and then the ultimate player of the year. So the offense, the offensive and player of the year, I guess that's what I want to say here. Is it's got to go to Benjamin Saint Ange, the the 20 year old out of Quebec, uh, plays for the Pueblo Bulls. Yeah. Just a gifted goal scorer and just the hockey IQ with him. And he's one of those guys. If you're the opposing team and it's the last minute of play, he's not the guy you want to be up against. He finds a way to put that puck in the net constantly. He's a poacher. There's just yes. no other way to put it. He's an absolute poacher he's always in the right place he's always in the right spot and he's got such a quick release I, I think that's the other thing that when I think about three years worth of of St. Orange in the division watching oh I don't know 12 to 15 games a year warm-ups the game itself his release is so quick and he's able to put so much power behind his his wrist shot on that quick release that's again. That's that goal scoring touch that that separates him um, at this level. Yeah, he, and you can see. And I'm, I'd be very curious to see where he goes next season. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching that one because I don't think anything's been announced. I follow all five teams and and try to see, you know, if if announcements come through. And I'll be very very curious to see where where Benjamin Saint Ange goes. Um, and and this will actually break us now into the defensive player of the year. And uh, you brought him up a little bit earlier, but I'm going with Biggie. Uh, that's what I'm going to call him. Bailey Biggie Freifogel, the uh, 20-year-old out of Chatham, Ontario, plays for the NOCO Eagles. He has just – you said it earlier in the podcast. He's just had an amazing season. I. It's funny. At the beginning of the year – when we did our league previews, I, I went on a limb and I said he's going to be a 50-point scorer this year. Not quite there. Um, if he stayed the second half pace in the first half, he would have. But that's neither here nor there. He's just been so much, I think in particular, the jump in his game this year. He's been so much more, confidence not really the right word. He's been so much more willing and aggressive to carry the puck from zone to zone. Mm-hmm. And he believes and he takes the space that teams give him and he can just fly by guys and couldn't be a nicer kid also like he's such a good dude um i i think that's been the the joy in watching his game in particular this year is watching him really open up offensively the talent's always been there yeah. But it's seeing in game some of the stuff that he's been doing for two years in practice, gathering the puck in his own defensive zone, blowing right by three defenders and coming in for a shot, getting space in the high slot, toe dragging a defenseman, making them look silly and putting one on net, going coast to coast and burying a backhand for an overtime winner. Uh, doing that in the game consistently has been a real joy to watch this year. Yeah, he's just been absolutely fantastic. And it's just shown, man. When he's on the ice, you know it. And he he likes to throw them hits too. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's he's an all around impressive player to watch. And I'll be excited to see uh you know where he where he goes next season. Um, and that now takes us into the goalie of the year. And I'm gonna have to give this to the 20 year old out of Moscow who plays with the Pueblo Bulls, Artem Lantuk. Uh, I know Tim's just come on late and taken a lot of the you know been able to relieve Lantuk of some of the workload, but. Lantuk this season has 
had some of the he didn't have one of the top five saves of the year, but he had at least eight or nine saves that made it onto the highlight list this season, which I'm trying to figure out a way to release that. <laughs> I'm trying my, might just tag all the teams and different things. Like here's the highlights that I caught this year. Do with it what you will. But um, I, I just think Artem Lantuk has had such a fantastic season and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I just like how, I don't know. There's something about him. I just think he's an amazing goalie. And uh, just even seeing the way he interacts with his own teammates, I just he he's a uh, awesome, awesome goalie, goalie of the year. He kept that team afloat. Yep. In December and January, and end of discussion. Yeah. Kept the Bulls afloat, and, and and again, this is not this is not bulletin board material or or uncomplimentary in any way it's just kind of how the talent has shaken out across the division this year artem land who kept the bulls in third place for at least a month longer than they ought to have been just in terms of the scoring wasn't quite there they hit that january funk again and added alex timmons to the mix at that point who got off to a, a, a slow start um in his first four starts as a bull and and artem lands who kept the bulls in the picture yeah, and, and really gave them opportunities down the stretch. And that's what you ask of your goaltending, right? Yep. Give your team opportunities in front of you. Yeah. And, and, and he's done it and it's been, Oh man, he's, he's been so fun to watch this year. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see what, what happens with him next season as well. Uh, but that'll take us into the final two awards and, this next one is going to be, I guess you could call it like the Mark Messier Leadership Award, but it's going to be, you know, he hasn't been a Mountain Division guy, so we're just going to call it the Leadership Award. But I got to give this one to my boy, Jack Jones, a 20-year-old out of Waconia, Minnesota, plays for the Ogden Mustangs. You watch, there's a lot that involves being the captain of a team and, and leading a team on and off the ice. You can see it uh, with Jack's play. The way he's with the team, you can see it on the bench. You can see it when they have the team like timeouts. Uh, you can see it around like the end of the periods, around the end of the game. He is a leader in that locker room, and he's the major reason that Ogden's having so much success this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I don't know if this is a Stefan thing or if this is a you guys thing. At some point, I've heard Captain Fantastic. That's the idea. I I call him Captain Jack. Um, (laughs) I I think that Jack Jones has been, like you said, he's been everything you expect of of someone that wears the C. Um, There are only three teams in this division that have someone that wears the C. Mm -hmm. Some teams, the Eagles being one, do not have a a lettered captain. Um, I. Just adding on that leadership note in terms of the twenty the twenty year olds, especially the guys that are the example, they're on the ice. You can see it even behind the scenes. I I want to take a moment to to recognize slash stump for Carson Weingartner um, this season yeah. with NoCo. He's a fifth year junior player. He's he spent time briefly played overseas in Sweden, and he is such a well spoken mild-mannered, good kid, grew up in Wichita, played youth hockey there from the time he was a little kid. And he is always the first guy to come in and say, hey, 
I did or did not do X for my team. And again, that's maybe one of those between the box score things that doesn't always pop up. Right. But that's been something this season being privy to um, really is. The numbers may not be there this season, but he just plays the game the right way and in such a smart way that it may be a little later on the recruiting trail. But the NCAA offers will come calling. And and that's awesome. That's why I think for, for the awards next year, before we hand out the player of the year, um, getting the input from from each of the teams, uh, or at least a rep on each of the teams as is, is best possible, is going to be important to kind of like have a list next year because um, there's stuff you don't see. And I mean, I, I pick off the stuff I can see and, uh, and that's why I see how Jack handles, uh, on ice stuff and, and basically what you, whatever you can see on hockey TV, cause that's basically what I get. Um, and, and it's, it's just, it shows and you get to hear about guys like Weingartner and stuff. And I mean, I know the name, I mean, he's, you know, when he's on the ice <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's just, he's a talented player and it's, it's great to hear, uh, his leadership capabilities there and, you know, where he might play next year. But uh, I guess that'll take us to the final award here, and that's going to be the player of the year. I think there might be some shock value on this one, but there really shouldn't be because I think you said it multiple times, Brendan. It's really not always about the numbers. Um, And for me, the player of the year is definitely not about the numbers because numbers can be extremely misleading. And I'm giving the player of the year to the 20-year-old out of North Kingstown, Rhode Island, with the Provo Riverblades, Patrick Colburn. If there is a player that's had to endure a rougher season in the Mountain Division, I don't know who that is. He, the saves, and you've got to look at, again, the numbers are misleading, but if you look at the quality of the initial saves and the initial rebound saves, they're amazing. And he's made the list more than any goalie this year. The problem is you can't stop the second and third and fourth chances that often with a short roster uh, because Provo's had a pretty short roster this year. And Patrick Colburn, um, they haven't run away with a lot of wins, but the ones they have, um, well, between him and Rosalind, they've, 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 they've stolen a few. Um, but these games would have been 10 times worse without a player of Colburn's capabilities between the pipes for Provo. There were many things when you said that it was going to be a little unexpected that I was prepared for. Yeah. That was not one of them. Um, I'd like to, I like to pride myself on being a pretty generally prepared person. Okay. I floored by that and, and floored by that in a good way. And, and, and I think that that comes down to a goaltender being able to recognize another goaltender, right. And yeah. say, look, what if, what it what has been asked and expected of this guy all season? I mean, you think about it, he's he's in the top five in minutes played. He's in the top five in number of shots faced, number of saves made, and he is the he is the guy that if you look at the numbers, you'll go ah I I don't know. Yeah. And you know I, I say this being in, in in Noco where this year you know the goaltender uh, Brendan Smith. He spent the last two years on teams that were very Provo-esque. They didn't perform in front of him. And so looking at the numbers, you go, ah, I don't know. Um, last year, the, the Eagles number two, Riley Tucker, came over after having basically being in front of 
six shots a game with Cold Lake in the WSHL. And it was that it was that stereotypical like, look, you're not getting 60 shots a game. We know the numbers don't reflect you as a goaltender because you're not getting any help. And I I'm excited again, like for him, whether it's next year with Provo or on a different team to be in a position where he can get some help. Yes. Um, And you can see you can see the talent. You can see that it's there. It's just a matter of, okay, we don't need him to stop 70 shots every night. Yeah. Where's on a goalie? And and in in this division, especially um, the Utah teams don't have it as hard. But, you know, this is one of the few divisions in the USPHL where you have to play three and three Mm -hmm. because of travel. Whether you're playing the same team three times or you're alternating like the divisions back east don't necessarily they don't have to do this. Yeah. The Midwest East, the Midwest West, the North, they don't have to play three and three consistently the way you have to here. Even the Pacific doesn't have to play three and three consistently. Right. Yeah, no, unless they're facing off against Vegas, I'd imagine. (laughs) But yeah. And right. And and that's the thing. And that's, you know, people might why do you pick easy? He was the play. He was the standout player in the mountain division this year because the teams in the mountain division this year were ferocious. The Eagles, the Bulls, the Mustangs and the outliers are all stacked and they're really good teams. And he had to face them all on a team that was short. You know, they're the team that was the youngest team in the division. Uh, they were the short basically the shortest bench in the division and he stood strong and and you watch and that's the thing is like it's about not the numbers it's about watching the talent of the player on the ice and the quality of the shots that he's facing because that's another big part of it is you can face a lot of shots from the blue line yay that's easy right as a goalie for me that's easy you get blue line shots he wasn't getting blue line shots he was getting some amazing amazing goal scorers coming in on him with second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And (laughs) there's only so much you can do as a goalie. And that's why I think, you know, yes, they were losing some pretty big games, but when you look at the numbers of shots he faced in the game and the quality, because that's numbers, again, it's it's a numbers game, but when you look at the quality shots he was facing, there is not a goalie in this division that faced consistent quality of shots with such a young team as Colburn did. And, um, you know, if, if he would have had a, you know, a, a stronger uh, bench, so to speak, in front of him, um, where, you know, they had a larger roster and a more experienced roster, uh, you would be seeing the same numbers out of Colburn. You'd be seeing out of all the other goalies. And that's why just seeing what he faces here and what he was able to do to, not have his team, you know, be completely destroyed each night uh, is something that just has to be recognized. And any any team looking for a goalie next year, if he's not coming back to Provo, if he's coming back to Provo, great for Provo. But if he doesn't, if a team's looking for a strong goalie, you got to look beyond the numbers and you you have to watch this kid's gameplay. It was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, he was awesome all year. The division was awesome all year. Yep. And isn't it such a treat that we get three more weekends of it? I can't wait. Before Nationals. 
I'm so um, excited. Yeah, right. I'm circling my calendar. It's yep. gonna be it's going to be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of competitive hockey. And um I mean, speaking of the mountain division as a whole this year and and everything before I bow out. Um yep. thank you. Thank you for sharing this like and being such a such a great place like for the division and being such a such a platform that really highlights the the five programs that are all developing players for the next level and uh i mean i i really appreciate it i admire it and that's uh in a long-winded way that's my way of saying i unfortunately am out of time and i just wanted <laughs> to say thank you in case thank we don't catch up before the playoffs well no i appreciate it and yeah, if we don't uh appreciate it uh, it's fun for me it's this isn't this is fun this is what i love to do i love you know watching these athletes perform and uh Really hope all of them, you know, make it to the next level next season. And any of those that are back, um, I'm excited if they're staying in the Mountain Division uh, that I get to watch them next year. But, um, yeah, that said, uh, there's no – this is a bonus episode. Um, I might release this as its own separate episode. So if you're listening to this and there's no intro or outro, deal with it. Um, but, uh, no, thanks for jumping on, Brandon. Yeah, and, we make uh, our own rules here. Yeah, this is my podcast. <laughs> so – but uh, yeah, I appreciate all of you listeners. And yeah, Brendan, uh, thank you for jumping on. And I think this was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping I'm look, I can't wait for the playoffs. It's going to be sick. It's going to be lit. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. I keep trying to start the hashtag hashtag mountain after dark because it's it's too late. I mean, for the I like East that. Coast folks, but it gets wild and woolly out here. It does. Let's do mountain after dark. Let's get that going. I like that. All right. I'm going to start using the hashtag yeah. mountain after dark. Let's get hashtag- it going. Hashtag MTN after dark. Let's do it. I'm I'm using it. I'm you know I'll use that when dropping these episodes. So, all right, yeah. Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Brendan. You have a good one. This is fun. You too, sir. Thank you. Catch you on the flip side. All right. Sounds good. Later.